Welcome once again to Ultrasonic Film. As always, I'm your host, James, talking about movies, movies, and more movies. We have uh, quite a personal and powerful film that we're going to discuss next, and we got a very special guest on the phone right now, Daniel Schubert. Welcome to Ultrasonic Film. Thank you, James. Awesome. It's great to have you here. You've got quite a, uh, as I mentioned, quite a personal film in Martha. It's uh, it's quite a uh, uh, quite a powerful statement to put out there, and uh, you yourself actually appear in the film as well. That's true. Uh, against my will a little bit, but I am in it. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I'd love to hear the uh, sort of the genesis of how this film began for you, because obviously this is something you definitely uh, wanted to put out there. Yeah, my grandmother was in the Holocaust, uh, and so was my grandfather as well. Uh, and I'd always wanted to get her stories down on tape, if anything, just for the family, not, not necessarily for a documentary. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandfather had been in work camps in, uh, in various concentration camps at the time. And he had always told me and my brother's stories about his time in the camps. And they were quite amazing. And unfortunately, uh, he died before I, I uh, got them down on tape. And as the family documentarian, when I was a kid, I was running around with a video camera all the time. Uh, and I always regretted not getting his stories down. So basically, I'd always threatened to get my grandmother's stories. She's now 91. Uh, and finally, when Trump's... Um, you know, there's good people on both sides speech after the Charlottesville riots happened. Right. Uh, that was kind of the impetus when I realized, okay, so people don't remember, uh, are already forgetting that the Holocaust happened or they're Holocaust deniers. And there's so much misinformation going out on the internet right now. Uh, and neo-Nazism is on the rise. I thought this is the time to tell it. So I uh, endeavored to get her stories on tape. And it's, it's true, there's actually some statistics that younger people uh, aren't even being taught the Holocaust as well, isn't there? That's right. And also, I read a thing that uh, millennials, of which I'm a, I am one, 50% uh, of millennials, they say, don't know uh, or haven't heard about the Holocaust. So if people my own age or younger don't really know, imagine the next generations after that, how little they're going to know. And you're going to need more to combat this disinformation that's spreading everywhere. Absolutely. And of course, there's been the wonderful films like uh, Schindler's List and through uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, Shoah Foundation, films like The Last Days. I got the opportunity to chat with the uh, director of The Last Days as well. I, I would assume that you're familiar with these films also. Yes, I am. And I always thought that, you know, Schindler's List being the massive behemoth that it is and Shoah, these things would take care of this problem. Uh, but now here we are and there's all sorts of new problems uh, cropping up again where people aren't remembering the lessons of the Holocaust. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about that statement you made right at the beginning of the interview because I am curious about it. What do you mean that you were kind of put in the film against your will? I, I find that fascinating. Well, I had wanted to do a story about my grandmother and her two sisters. You see, the three of them had survived Auschwitz together, uh, survived multiple ghettos together, and I'd wanted to do a film about the resilience of the three of them as sisters. Um, and actually, I'd wanted to do an animated film originally, an animated documentary. And uh, then as I was developing it at the NFB, you know, they started saying, well, I think you should be in it. I think you should be there with your grandmother and we should do it, you know, we started talking about doing it cinema verite style. And at first I, I just don't like being on camera that much, uh, <laughs> but I realized that 
that it's probably the right thing to do. And, and I'm very happy you did it because um, we have a natural chemistry, obviously. And, uh, you know, I was able to bring things out by being on camera that maybe I wouldn't have been able to off camera. And as well, I learned a lot. Uh, there's a lot of things I didn't know um, about her experiences. And so you can kind of see that in the movie that I'm learning things as I go. Yeah, and not only that, there's this real sense of family as you watch uh, the relationship back and forth between the two of you, which I don't think would have uh, worked as well, maybe in animation or if you were absent from the film. So you certainly do add that personal aspect of family and the importance of family, which is discussed in the film. And it, it's, it's really hammered home with, with your presence in it. Thank you. Well, I'm glad that worked, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I, of course, I have to ask you, um, she seems pretty gung-ho in the film to go into uh, what is essentially, I guess, a museum uh, of sorts to see these, uh, these uh, uh, atrocities from, uh, from the concentration camps. But it's, it, it's uh, as I was watching it, I was like, I can't believe that, that, that she's, she's rushing into that. Was that something that surprised you as well? It surprised me. And I remember, you know, in the movie, even I say, are you sure, you know, you're okay with doing this? And you know, she says, I've seen it all before. That's what she, her, she kind of says, I was there. This is nothing compared to what it was actually like to be there. Right. But the part, the part that was hard about going into that museum was when she learned about uh, the, how long the gas chamber sometimes took to exterminate the people within it. And right. it turned out that it was up to 45 minutes. And she'd always thought that they died immediately. And her mother and two little brothers had died in the gas chamber. And so that was the only moment kind of in the movie where I think my grandma was overwhelmed with emotion. Uh, and she found out something she hadn't known. And that was a moment for me that was very hard because I felt like I put her in that circumstance. And, you know, but she, she yeah, I mean, she learned something she didn't know, which it doesn't necessarily mean that her mother and two brothers uh, it took that long but she was worried that it did take that long and they had to suffer yeah you know it's interesting as a documentary filmmaker you push yourself up to the line knowing uh that that the, the film kind of needs what it needs but at the same time when it when it's so personal when it's involving your family it can be a very difficult choice to make absolutely uh, but it was, going, going to that museum turned out to be a great thing because we also, you know, we had this docent, uh, an African-American docent who uh, really bonded with my with my grandmother. And they talked about, it's not actually in the movie, unfortunately, because we had to cut it for time. But there was, they had conversations um, about their own experiences with racism, my grandma being a Jew and uh, and the docent being an African-American. And, and they really bonded. And I wish I could have put some of that in the, in the movie, but she's in it uh, as the movie, in the, in the movie right now. Absolutely. Now, uh, as far as the strong dramatic nature of the film, you chose to do some reenactments to film some actual sequences in the shadows, which really, uh, I, I felt, add a certain amount of punch to the film. Was that something that was always on the table for you? It was something that I'd always thought, once we decided to go cinema verite style, I realized that I still wanted to do something that visualized the Holocaust, that showed, uh, at least from her perspective, um, something that showed what she went through. Uh, it wasn't always decided that those are gonna be the exact ones, but we always knew that we wanted to do vignettes, like little vignettes uh, that we can flash to um, in the middle of this very modern current story. Uh, and so in the end, yeah, that's what we did. But it wasn't always from the get-go decided that those were going to be the ones. 
But I knew that there was certain uh, elements to her story, most notably the Joseph Mengele incident, that I knew I wanted to, to get down in, in some form. I don't know if it was going to be a dramatization, but that's what it ended up being. Yeah, something that might have been a little bit easier to do, uh, possibly an animation, but at the same time, it ad definitely adds a real vividness to, the, to uh, your film overall. Thank you very much. And the young girl who uh, who plays her, uh, she's she's really quite something. Where did you get her? Uh, we just did auditions for for the, all the roles that we needed, and she came in the audition. And what was really uh, interesting about Mila was that she had actually been to Auschwitz uh, only a couple of years ago. So wow. she actually, yeah, and and you know, as we were talking about, um, there's a lack of Holocaust uh, education but she actually knew everything about it. So it, I, I would have to ask her, but I, I wonder if she kind of took some of that uh, and put it into her performance. Now, I'd love to ask you as well about the Winnipeg angle of, uh, of your, your film, because uh, there is a very strong Winnipeg uh, connection to this, uh, to this short film. Yeah, well, I'm a Winnipegger at heart. I was born there and uh, I moved when I was nine, but my whole family, uh, is from Winnipeg. My dad was born in Winnipeg. My mom moved there when she was one and they lived there until their uh, mid to late forties. So my whole, and my brothers actually are way older than me and they didn't move from Winnipeg until they were almost in their twenties. So I have a very strong Winnipeg foundation. Um, and my grandma immigrated to Winnipeg from Europe in 1948 after the war and they lived there until 1964. Uh, my grandma had chronic bronchitis so the doctor advised her to move to a warmer climate which is why they moved to Los Angeles in the 60s but uh, Winnipeg is uh, such a huge part of, of our lives and my life. I, I've been back to Winnipeg many many times. I played the folk fest as a drummer. I love Winnipeg and um, and I'm glad to represent in the film. She had a grocery store in the north end of Winnipeg, um, which is what we show in, in, in the uh, documentary. Uh, Martha's Grocery. That's right. Awesome, and how, uh, do you know how long that grocery store was there? I don't actually know the exact amount, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know what happened after. She must have sold it and, and I'm not sure what happened to it, but uh, she- Yeah, it's kind of yeah. fascinating though that, uh, that she owned this store for so many years in the uh, in the north end of the city, and uh, I like the way that she kind of goes into it. She has almost no experience, but she just figures, "I'm smart enough; I can do this." Yeah, after the war, I mean, she's a self-made woman. She never, you know, she had to leave school at 13 or 14, and uh, you know, she learned how to be a businesswoman on herself uh, on her own. And then when they moved to Los Angeles, she opened another grocery store and then a liquor store, and then she invested in real estate, and and she did very well for herself, all with. Um, you know, a, basically a 13 year old's education uh, all on her own. So she's a pretty amazing woman. Yeah, I would certainly say so. And at 91 years old, she certainly has a lot of pluck and a lot of uh, grit to her. Was it difficult convincing her to do this film about her? Well, she said, she would always say, I'm doing it for you. She's the quintessential Jewish grandmother. She was, I'm doing it for you. You know, there's a bit of a guilt there, but it's also, uh, she wanted to get it down for the future generations. She wanted uh, her great her great granddaughter to to know what happened and and all the next generations. So she knew that that was kind of her reason for doing it. But she she will if you ask her, she'll say, "I did it for my son, my grandson. I did it for Daniel." <laughs> well, that's awesome, and I think that's great. And you end up with a with a very very powerful film. 
And uh, yeah, again, I hope a lot of people check it out. Uh, Daniel, what are, what are you working on next? What have you got coming up? I have some music documentaries that uh, I'm kind of planning. There's one in particular I'm planning. I don't want to say too much about it, but um, that's basically, I, I'm a you know musician and I love music and uh, there's a band in particular that I want to make a documentary about. So that's kind of what I'm gearing toward right now. Awesome. Well, that sounds really good. Now, of course, people can check out Martha on the NFB site, right? That's right, on nfb.ca and on their YouTube channel channel on january 27th international holocaust remembrance day awesome. well that's awesome and the film itself is only about 22 minutes long and uh yeah it certainly does pack a punch it's something you're not likely to forget after you see it but it's also a fascinating history lesson as well that's correct i try to make it entertaining and i'm hoping that you know like i hope this you know will get into the education system and and that kids it'll kind of give kids an easier access uh, and an, a more entertaining way to learn about the Holocaust by watching this movie rather than, you know, which can be stuffy sometimes with books and whatnot. I think going through Martha will be a very effective way of learning about the Holocaust. I would agree. And I like the fact that it wasn't something that you kind of stretched out to be a feature. You realized that uh, you had a pretty uh, uh, strong, potent story to tell and you did it in, a, in quite an efficient amount of time. Thanks a lot. I, I appreciate that. I would, I would agree. Awesome. Well, well, I want to thank you very much for joining us here on Ultrasonic Film. Daniel, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, James. UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory. The original lands of the Anishinaabeg, the Hiawak, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Okay, we're back here, and we've got a guest in the studio. It is always nice to have this individual back. It's been too long, Tristan. It has. It has, and it's great to have you back here on the show. And, of course, we're celebrating a film that is currently playing in theaters that you co-star in. And i got to tell you, you know, I've been doing this show for a, a couple of decades now, and I've known you for 12 or 13 years now as well, and I knew this would happen because you're a very talented guy. I've seen you in very different films in various different capacities and I was so proud to attend the special premiere of this film Stand the Musical which is currently uh, playing in theaters and to see your performance you just a riveting performance in this film Oh thanks man I'm, I'm telling you it, it was it was just great I was just beaming with pride I was telling the the guy next to me you know I I know him <laughs> <laughs> Well that's why you changed spots <laughs> <laughs> was, <laughs> We'll go with that Oh thanks for saying that man I really appreciate it No I know it's and it's it's great great to see and it's great to, to have you here back on the show you've had a long history in, in acting in local films but you've also been a very adept stunt person mm -hmm. as well yeah so my first question of course since you've been working and doing all kinds of different stunts and of course primarily you're also an actor done a lot of stage as well uh, do you ever worry when you get into the heat on some of these stunts that you might damage physical property that you might need while you're acting oh no <laughs> I'm, I'm completely expendable you know this <laughs> i got i kind of knew the answer to this question before I asked it. It's hard uh, to walk the line with stunts and acting for a couple of different reasons, and I love them both mm -hmm. equally, but for different reasons. Cool. Um, the thing is, it's hard to sell myself as a stunt guy mm -hmm. and then audition and then sell myself as an actor and then try and get stunt work because right. it's, in this industry, it's easy for people to write 
you off for any different reason. Oh, I wish your hair was longer. Give me a wig. Wait two months. (laughs) You know, it's it's so it's it's it's. I've been really lucky in walking the line consistently, and Mm -hmm. I've been getting some work in both areas. Right. Um, But actually, there was one situation where it was a problem. There Mm -hmm. was a TV show shot here a few years ago called The Pinkertons. Right. And I did stunts in three episodes and was a guest star acting in one episode. Okay. And I was doing stunts in an episode before I was acting, and I was getting shot essentially off of a cliff. <laughs> and while I was up there, trying to not let anybody know that I was acting in the next episode, right. the next week, right? Uh, somebody saw me. I was a producer or the director who was overlapping episodes, and he was like, "Wait a minute! I know that guy. Get a mustache on him." So they took me down the cliff, put a fake mustache on, and then shot me off of the cliff again. So, <laughs> so there was there wasn't so much concern for your safety. It was we. Just just can't have that guy recognized. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's just like as long as he's consistently injured from the beginning of the episode, it's fine. He can walk with the limp. Everyone's okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. So I'm kind of curious. When you go in for acting jobs, do you do you show your stunt credits as well, or you primarily show the acting credits? Do you have two different resumes? How does that work? Well, for stunts, there's pretty much the uh, my stunt team, which is Skeen Stunts, led by Rick Skeen and his son Sean and, and right. uh, Daniel. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have worked with them for so long that they know what my skill set is and they know um, what I can bring to the table. So mm-hmm. whenever they need a scrawny white guy, <laughs> usually me, which is fantastic. Um, right. I have uh, been lucky enough to work with a few different sun coordinators uh, in Toronto and most recently on a movie called Nobody that just wrapped last week. Right. Um, so usually it's it's Rick or Sean or Daniel mm-hmm. saying, oh, you need somebody like this. Right. Try Tristan, and and it's not really an audition. I don't think they're actually allowed to audition for stunts. Right. Um, but kind of word of mouth recommendation. Yeah, 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 pretty okay. much. And uh, the the second part of 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 your or the first part of your question, which I didn't answer, was oh good. Um, I do put stunt actor on mm. my resume sometimes. So right. a role will be like I just worked on a YouTube Premium series called Wayne last summer. Okay. And that was a stunt actor role, and mm-hmm. I find that's coming up more and more where. Mm-hmm. Uh, the production would rather have somebody consistent instead of cutting to a double. Right. They have a lot more room in the edit if they can show the stunt person's face who's also acting in it. So I've right. done quite a bit of stunt acting as well. Okay, yeah, and I would imagine that's very valuable as well because they they know that you can do the stunts and at the same time they also know you've got the chops to be able to deliver the performance as well. So you're multiple utilized there. I hope so. I can't really speak on that. <laughs> you, keep, you keep getting hired, so <laughs> you're pulling the wool over somebody's I, eyes. I have imposter syndrome so hard. All the time. <laughs> Before we get into Stan, which of course I definitely want to talk about, let's let's take it right back. How did you initially get into acting and initially get into stunt work? How, how was that something that uh, you ended up being uh, paralleling? I don't even really know, honestly. <laughs> I well, I finished in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. I took drama classes and it right. was really fun. Yeah, um, and actually, uh, Anita Skeen was yes. my drama teacher, and she is Rick Skeen's sister. So, Outstanding. Yeah, it's kind of funny how there was the overlap there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I finished high school, my dad said I need to go to university, so I said okay. Mm-hmm. And I went to uh, University of Winnipeg, and through uh, University One, I took a theater class, right. and I liked it. And then I took the second-year theater class, and then I started taking uh, stage combat. Right. And then... Once I was almost done school, I got my first professional gig at Prairie Theater Exchange. 
And, and this, rest, was, this was before you were done school. Yeah, I actually took, yeah, I took my last um, uh, year off mm-hmm. and then just postponed it. And I graduated a year later. Wow. Yeah. So I, that's pretty much it. I just keep, <laughs> I, I don't know. There is something really fascinating about this industry. I don't know what it is yet. I think maybe when I find that out, I'll quit. <laughs> here's, but, here's hoping you never find that out. Oh, thanks. James. <laughs> I got, I got to ask you um, for auditioning because you've auditioned for theater, you've auditioned for film. Do you have a preference of uh, the two mediums, and is there one is is one easier than the other? Theater, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. For a couple different reasons, um, our the main casting directors in the city are Jim Heber and um, Carmen Kodak. Mm-hmm. Great, lovely people. Um, Carmen, I've been auditioning for a lot in the past couple of years. Cool. She's uh, moved from Saskatchewan, but their film credit, Kibosh, so now she's here. Right. Thankfully for us, because she's fantastic. Cool. Um, but the thing about film is, is very secretive, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't give the... Um, whole script to a day player right. a day player somebody who's there for a day usually the manager said saying oh they went that way <laughs> <laughs> exactly great done yeah. um but because of that there is a lot of guesswork involved right. and the casting directors can only do so much when they're describing a character uh so, a so lot they of, give you a portion of the script usually called sides correct yeah and then you kind of uh, sort of ascertain from the vernacular of the dialogue and where the character is as best you can yeah as to what you got and maybe the casting director can throw you a few hints, but they can't give away the plot of the film while That's they're doing that. Kind of it, and I mean, it's it's it, it opens to a lot of imagination, but right. a lot of the time, uh, when I have my first pass at it, it's completely wrong because there's something in the script that they can't tell me about. Right, but they're just trying to inch me towards there. Got it. Which is great. Carmen and Jim are awesome at doing that. Right, but it, it's I can't help but feel a little bit frustrated. I wish I just had more because yeah. it's kind of like. Uh, we have this very particular thing in mind. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. You have to now do the very particular thing that I have in mind. Otherwise, we're not going to hire you. And, and, it's you, like, oh, and you have to be perfectly uh, exactly the way we picture you doing it at yeah. the same time. And the old adage, hang on tightly, let go lightly kind of thing, I totally see. applies for that. Now, for theater, mm-hmm. you get the script. Yes. And uh, y- most of the time, it's it's people that I've worked with. I've worked with a lot of uh, a, Right. Directors in Winnipeg, and I've worked for, for, I think, all of the professional theaters here. Mm-hmm. So that is completely different. You get the script. You get to read it. Uh, you usually get a little bit more time because the seasons are already set. So right. the audition season is in spring. So mm-hmm. you know you know, when, when February, March starts rolling around, you're going to start auditioning. Yeah. Um, you also get um, usually longer sides instead mm-hmm. of, you know, two to six pages would be, I'd say, average for film. Right. You could get... As few as six, as many as 12 sometimes. Wow. Um, and there's a lot more freedom because you have space. You're not just stuck right. into a one particular medium shot frame. You can actually use the, the space. Um, you have uh, a, a partner, a reader, mm-hmm. who is also up on their feet, yeah. not just behind the camera. So although um, I do enjoy auditioning for film, I love it a lot. Right. Uh, there seems to me to be a little bit more freedom in theater, and I'm, I am actively trying to take the freedom from theater auditions into film, because Smart. if you're not having fun, yeah, absolutely. what are you doing? You exactly. Know? Yeah. And I would imagine there's directors in film that will help you or give you another chance, and then there's also directors that will go, nope, 
That's it. We're moving on. You know, I don't really know how a lot of it works, honestly, because I, 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 I usually just talk to the casting directors, and right. sometimes there's producer and director sessions where they're in there. Right. Um, but most of the information comes from the casting directors, right. and I mean, thank God we have good casting directors. They're the, the in conduit the city, for they you. Because yeah. they push for local talent, which is yeah. incredible. Like, it's 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 so great for them to to see mm-hmm. that there is a really good talent pool both in front of the camera and behind right. the crews in Manitoba are top notch yes and they they push for local work and it's it's fantastic beautiful now you've got an incredible res- resume on theater and film but i would imagine uh, one thing that a lot of people recognize you from are commercials because you've I been knew you, i knew it <laughs> i knew it <laughs> they just stopped showing it <laughs> can you lay out for people listening right now which commercials you've been in I've done a couple MPI commercials now. Yes. Um, some I was just doing some driving, mm-hmm. uh, but the most recent one was the texting and driving commercial yes, yes. where I'm sitting on the couch and I run an old lady over and I do it again. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what she did. <laughs> it's tough motivation, man. Yeah, well, you know. You, you, you got to put yourself in a dark yeah, place. Yeah, that was actually really fun. We we We... I was going to say banged it out, but no, it took <laughs> it took about 16 hours. Wow. But we got it all in, in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was super fun. A lot, of, a lot of my friends were working on it, both, you know, as background performers. And um, the person I hit was one of my good friends, Kristen Sawatsky, who's part of the stunt team. Oh, yes. Uh, and I, I think I hit her maybe 40 times with the car. <laughs> she was working a lot more, a lot harder than I was Jeez. that day. <laughs> Well, I'm glad everybody walked away from that unscathed. Yeah, they totally did. Okay, we'll we'll go with that, and we'll move along quickly. Well, thank God. Your your resume for uh, for film. Let's uh, let's focus in on some of that because, as you say, you kind of uh, you got into it rather naturally. But you've been in a lot of different movies mm-hmm. and uh, stunt acting stunts as well, but uh, also acting. What were some of your experiences like? What are some of your more memorable ones? I really liked working on. This movie, it was called Deserted Cities. Mm -hmm. Now I think it's called... They changed the title. I can't... Something Susanna, You're Killing Me, Susanna, or something Mm -hmm. like that. That was one of my first roles that wasn't just a day player. I had a... I wouldn't say supporting, but it was a pretty large role. Mm -hmm. I think I was working for like six days, which which in this industry is great. Oh, yeah, huge. Um, And it was cool because it was with uh, Gail Garcia Burnell. Yes. And the director really liked um, improvisation, which oh, I didn't know until my first day <laughs> because I, I, you know, as a good uh, theater student right out of school, of course, I had everything memorized. I had all of my notes. I right. had my, my my research all ready to go, and I was totally prepared to let that research go and just act <laughs> and be in the moment. So I thought, but then yeah. we had a little meeting with the director and uh, Gail, and we kind of talked through the scene, and we were kind of after we stood up and started doing it a little bit, and right. I was like, oh, this is really fun. And then we went in to shoot, yeah. and <laughs> it was not the script <laughs> at all. So it took a couple takes and a couple uh, talking myself down to realize, like, okay, we're not going to do what I prepared. That's fine. Yes. So then from then on, it was really cool. But I think, yeah, one of my first ones was probably one of the cooler experiences. I've and had. that's kind of cool because when you're in the heat of the moment like that and they just drop the script and they're just going off on a tangent because of all your theatrical training, you can follow along. You've done improv. You can follow these guys to a certain degree. Yeah. And but also wanting to, to show them how 
how hard I worked on my yeah, research and my and my and my homework too. So trying to slip the lines in that I have memorized, but they're not working at all with what we're improvising. But it's got to be a lot of fun. It's super fun. Yeah. Cool. So who's some of the most uh, memorable people that you've worked with? I've worked with a lot of people, but I think probably one of the kindest people. Uh, was on this most recent movie I worked on, Nobody, starring mm-hmm. uh, Bob Odenkirk oh, yes. from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I don't know how much I can say about it, so I'll right. just say that I worked on this movie and Bob Odenkirk was in it, and he is a very, very sweet man. Nice. Yeah. Um, it takes his time to remember people's names and Beautiful. is works with people in a, in, in a way that feels... Um, like it's a team effort. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Also, Christopher Lloyd is in that movie. Fantastic. Yeah, you get a chance to work with him. A little I did. Bit? Yeah, he's, awesome. he's looking pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, <laughs> he's been around for years. Yeah, it's interesting. I I actually just saw a, an interview with Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. in which um, he's been in so many different movies and television shows. What he does is when he sees the actors' names on the call list, he does the six degrees of Kevin Bacon on Google. <laughs> <laughs> to see if he's worked with them before. And then when he goes on set, he's like, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you since such and such, <laughs> which I think is fantastic. He's using his own game as a way of 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 interacting with people that he's working with. And I think that's awesome. He's the only guy that can do that. I'm proud to say the first movie I ever worked on put me one degree away from Kevin Bacon. Really? So I'm pretty excited about that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's something I just remembered now? <laughs> what was that? Uh, that was um, uh, The Divide was the first yes. theater, or sorry, film credit that I had and it was doing stunts. Awesome. Uh, and I don't remember who the overlap was. It might have been Michael Bean. Yeah, it could be Michael Bean. Could have been uh, Milo Ventimiglia, Roseanne Arquette. I uh, I managed to interview Milo and Michael Bean from The Divide as yeah. well. So that was that was great, and uh, that was quite the bunker they had in that uh, in that setup that as was well. Pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> it, was, it was really cool, and that uh, in a lot of ways was a trial by fire because that was my first mm-hmm. day on a professional set. So it was a lot of wide eyed walking around trying to figure out who I'm allowed to talk to. Yes. And do I need to tell someone I need to go to the bathroom? <laughs> Set etiquette. <laughs> I'm just going to carry this jar around. <laughs> it's working out well. Now, you mentioned you've worked in every, almost every local theater mm-hmm. capacity. You've done the MTYP. You've done MTC. You've done Prairie Theater Exchange. I would imagine you've done MTC and Prairie Theater Exchange multiple times. Uh, yeah, I've worked um, probably... Four times at MTC and wow. just twice at, at, at uh, PTE, okay. both with the same director. So, Ann Hodges, <laughs> if you're listening, please keep working there because it's the only way that I work. <laughs> awesome. And uh, I caught a show of yours at uh, MTYP oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Is that Peter Pan you came to? Uh, yes. Yeah, nice. That was a lot was of fun, fun there. Fun. You've done a few of those, uh, I would imagine. Also. Yeah, I, I worked at MTYP three seasons in a row. Wow. Uh, it was really fun. I did uh, the tour mm-hmm. first, uh, f- whatever year that was, 20. 20- 15 yeah. maybe and then uh i did um peter pan and then a show called danny king of the basement which was a really really fun show yes actually i think it was danny king of the oh basement. Yeah, yeah it was that one because yeah, you it... sat next to my mom <laughs> <laughs> i've known you for years it's 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 great it's great to have these experiences it's yeah. awesome okay craziest stunt now i want you to scare me when would you when did you actually take your life in your hands during a lot of these uh, the stunts cuz it's so rare to be able to talk to an actor and a stuntman here yeah. on the show well luckily enough i the the idea is to do something prepare enough where it's as safe as possible so you don't come out 
with any injuries. Right. Of course, depending on what happens. Well, I, it's funny because sometimes even the smallest thing can be you scary. don't even think about suddenly right. you're injured. Um, I'm lucky enough to have gotten gotten seriously injured doing mm-hmm. any stunts, but... You got a bit banged up from time to time? Though? A little bit, yeah. It's just it's par for the course, right. and it's, especially if you're doing something over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Luckily enough, again, um, the uh, my, my stunt team looks out for each other in, in an incredible way, and whoever's coordinating that day makes sure that there's enough communication and enough mm-hmm. um, preparation that everything feels safe. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's really good. But probably the... I don't even know if it was the scariest but it certainly was the craziest because i had absolutely no control over it but mm-hmm. it was in a movie with brian garrity and alice eve yeah. atm yeah which i think we might have talked about last time we I touched was here, actually. We, we i think t- i just had done it at that yeah, point we just touched base on that i, li- I kind of like the premise of that film because it's a horror movie kind of located around uh, an automated teller machine yeah in in a very isolated kind of uh, situation and uh, Brian Garrity, is a, he's a good young actor. He's fantastic. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Can you tell me a little bit more about that specific experience? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that movie came out in 2012, right. so I don't think I need to put the spoiler alert in there. I think you're fairly okay, good on that. Okay, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, near the end of the movie, uh, the ATM that they're in, basically these, these youngsters are, are out going to a party or right. going to a bar, and they stop to get some cash, and... While they're in here, they start getting terrorized by this unknown person. Trapped by Psycho. Yeah. So throughout the movie, they try and escape this ATM through different means. So long story short, by the end of it, it was about maybe three feet of water was completely was was up in it. Right. And I was sitting against the back wall while a car plowed through the ATM. (laughs) And that was the scariest because I had absolutely no control right. over the situation or I idea just, what was going to happen yeah well i i knew what was going to happen because again you know the, yeah. the stunt coordinator was fantastic i think rick was was coordinating on th- that day and yeah. he's fantastic with making sure that i see all the safety measures i see what is yeah. happening i know who is in control of everything absolutely but at the end of the day i'm just sitting there watching <laughs> headlights get brighter and brighter <laughs> so that was probably never the uh, scariest yeah one. I can- <laughs> Speaking of your mom, do you tell your mom about a lot of the stuff that you do? She asked me not to. <laughs> she says she likes to know when I'm working and right. when I'm doing stunts. But if it's something crazy, she would rather me tell her after it's done, <laughs> which is fair, yes. I, I, I guess. But uh, I, I, try, I try. I don't keep her in the dark, but I try and tell her as little as possible <laughs> when, when something big is coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. So um, now you mentioned that you were a, a sort of a stunt actor mm-hmm. in various different roles. I'm kind of curious as to what's your most memorable experience that way. What do you mm. think? When you were actually on film where you could see your face, but at the same time you're still doing a stunt as well. That's an interesting question. Um, probably the most memorable, it, it was because it was so recent, was uh, the YouTube uh, premium series that I, saying, I spoke yeah. about. Yeah, last summer I was in Toronto shooting an episode of uh, the show called Wayne, which is super cool. Okay. Written by uh, the Deadpool guys. Mm-hmm. Can't remember their name. Tim Miller, I think, is one of them. You yeah. probably know them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of uh, action, a lot of comedy, mm-hmm. balanced in a really good way and they create this world i think it, it took place in in uh, brockton which is like okay. uh, in massachusetts um and for that again i don't want to spoil anything but i was playing 
somebody who gets the absolute. Can I, I can't swear on here, hey? No, no. Uh, the absolute living crap kicked out. That's of them. good. Yeah. And uh, I just for efficiency's sake, they wanted um, an actor to also play this part, just right. to kind of just bang it out as quick as possible. Right. Um, and that was super fun because I had some really crazy scenes mm-hmm. that I got to kind of dive into, and then immediately after that, it was working on this fight that we choreographed a couple days before. Mm -hmm. So it was this really cool blending of worlds where it was almost like, okay, the scenes are done. Mm -hmm. Now I get the crap kicked out of me. Right. Yeah, it it was really, really fun. Awesome. Awesome. And you didn't actually get the crap kicked out of you too badly. No, I was covered in ravioli, though. <laughs> so I won't, I definitely won't spoil that. You're Subscribe definitely to ma- YouTube Premium. There you go. You're definitely <laughs> making it intriguing. I really want to see this now. Not the first time I've been covered in pasta in the show. <laughs> what was the second one? I don't know. Look on IMDb. <laughs> You've had some very, very interesting experiences, one of which I'm sure was Stand the Musical. Mm-hmm. How did you initially uh, get uh, contacted about the role? When did it first come down the line for you? Well, in um, Manitoba and a lot of, of, of uh, major cities, uh, there is something called Casting Workbook, mm-hmm. which is essentially Facebook for actors. Okay. Um, there you can see casting notices all across North America, be it uh, film, commercials, television, sometimes theaters, if they're really desperate to find a very particular person, they can put an ad on there as well. Do you need to be part of a certain union in order to have access to that? No, there is a fee, though. It's a yeah. it's an annual fee. Okay. Um, of course, it helps to be part of the Film Actors Union. Of course. Uh, but So that's where postings come up. Mm-hmm. And I saw, at that point, it was still called Strike, just mm-hmm. like the, the stage version. Right. I saw that come up, and I saw the description beautifully written by Carmen Kodak, mm-hmm. and I thought, this is a musical. <laughs> no one wants to hear me sing. So I promptly didn't submit for it. <laughs> okay. I just uh, moved right by out. I like and your then, honesty on yeah, this. Yeah, and then uh, Carmen actually sent me uh, an email mm-hmm. saying, why didn't you submit for this? And I said, no one wants to hear me sing. <laughs> and she said, well, what's the worst that can happen? There, uh, There's no singing in the audition yet. Okay. So why don't you just come out, throw your hat in the ring, and see what happens. So I did. Um, It was a scene that was almost verbatim a scene that's in the movie, which is kind of cool. I didn't need to take that much time to memorize that one because I already had it in my brain. I bet. Um, But I went out and auditioned for it, and I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that. They're going to get a singer. They're going to get... Mm-hmm. somebody else. Right. Uh, and then, Good experience. Yeah. And then there, uh, I got called for a callback, which is essentially uh, doing the same scene or another scene with either uh, the director present. He wasn't there for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a second callback he was there for. Right. But um, for this, it was basically the exact same thing, but they, wanted, they threw an accent at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a vague Eastern European accent yep. as they were trying to figure out what the character was and where they wanted these people to live kind of thing. Which you handled very nicely in the film. It was yeah, very deftly done. That was very, very different than yeah. the my first uh, audition, which was a bad Russian, essentially. <laughs> so I had that, and then I got a second callback with the director mm-hmm. um, who came in from L.A., to see me read, and then that I did the same accent, I'm pretty sure, and it mm-hmm. wasn't until I actually got the part where I found out that it was this very specific Ukrainian they were looking for. Okay. Um, so that was basically the process, and throughout the process, um, 
I made it very clear that I'm not a singer, but mm-hmm. I can certainly pretend if you want me to. Right. <laughs> and it turns out I had the only part in the movie that didn't require a solo, a, a song in at all. I didn't. Yeah. Even, I didn't lip sync a single word. In, no, I in guess at all. Yeah. Come to think of it, yeah. So that's oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you lucked out in a musical. I can hold a tune, but I'm not going to star in a musical. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a very sizable role in this film, and not only that, it's a role with some intensity mm-hmm. and you really get to uh, to play around on this did, was it something that you, they let you improv into a little bit or did they know exactly what they wanted from you how did that work um the, the director robert Atatui was um very open to interpretation and we went for dinner before we started shooting just so everyone was kind of on the same page and what okay. he was looking for because when you hear it's going to be a musical is it choreographed? Is it Les Mis yeah. style? What What is this? So he really right. had to kind of tell us all at the same time mm-hmm. what his idea was. Um, luckily enough, the script written by uh, Rick Chafe and Danny Schuer is mm-hmm. uh, fantastically uh, specific. Mm-hmm. So I knew... Right, just from reading it, I felt like I knew what these scenes were. And of right. course, there's uh, the... Uh, um, the opportunity for things to change on the fly as they right. always do but i felt like i knew this character's arc mm-hmm. just by reading the script the first time which is commendable to the writers to right. to to have it just on the page that makes sense and for an actor that's huge mm-hmm. because you can take that and then and then go out other places with absolutely it. yeah yeah and no, i i think that's great uh, challenges difficulties in 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 doing this I'm kind of curious. I mean, it always it all goes back to imposter syndrome. Always, <laughs> I don't like it, 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 getting this part and then yeah. realizing that it's an important story for my city and a fairly big budget film for Winnipeg as well. Yeah, especially yeah for 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 a, um, a production oh. a story about Winnipeg. It yeah. had a, a sizable budget, but um, I think. My biggest concern was the accent mm. because it was very, very specific. Right. And to make things worse and also better, uh, Danny's father, mm-hmm. that was his accent. Oh, perfect. So it was great You'd because spend time with him. I could just go over and be like, Danny, how do you say this? And they'll say it a couple times. And, okay, I got it. But um, it was also terrifying because it's his dad's accent. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm screwing it up, so I think I got some really good feedback after my first day on set and he kind of said like, Ooh, that's what we're looking for. And it was nice. like, Oh, okay, good. Now I can worry about acting and not just thinking about, am I saying this right? Um, oh, so yeah, it was, and it was also very important to have, um, uh, my accent match my, my sister, Laura Wiggins Slade. Right. Uh, so that was a, a big thing. We had to work a, together a little bit and just make sure that nice. the sounds were consistent between yes. the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, she absolutely adores you as well. I sat next to her oh, when did you? I saw the uh, premiere as well. Yeah, she was seated right in front of me. Oh, and cool. uh, was, she heard me uh, 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 boasting about you to my uh, uh, my seatmate and turned around oh. and said, oh, you know, you know, you know, Tristan. I, I thought think. I saw her move, too. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's moving. Away. I'm just talking you up too much. They're just moving away from me. Man, oh, man. And yeah, it's got to be because uh, up till then, of course, you have had some sizable roles, but this is this was big. Would you say this is one of the biggest things you've you've done for film? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've had leading roles in theater, um, luckily enough. But this was certainly I mean, to have a supporting role yeah. that actually had some meat on it is nice because 
like I say, day player roles are mm-hmm. are are very popular in, yeah. in Manitoba. Uh, you come in, you say the line, you you leave. Yeah, you have a snack, you hang out. <laughs> uh, but to have a role with an arc mm-hmm. and that had a lot of weight to it was really cool because it's this weird thing. I don't know if it's ego or what, but I just have this thing whenever I audition for something. It's this thought of like, I can do this. I can do it. Let me do it. Don't just go off of these three pages of sides. I can kill this. And then I got it and I was like, oh my God, can I do this? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's on, some, nice. on something like this, this was, this must have really hit you. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, I try to, to live by let the fear push you from behind right. instead of stand in your way kind That's of thing. Smart. So like, even if there were sleepless nights, trying to memorize it or thinking, like, is this right, what I'm thinking? I'm guessing there might have been one or two. Because I'd rather go down every (laughs) avenue than... than then write it off, you know. Exactly. Like I, I, my favorite part about acting, strangely enough, is the research, mm-hmm. and it's uh, researching the time period. If it's a real person, who this person was, yeah. what were, if you can find any information about them, that's that is a way for me to fill out mm-hmm. um, a role. I, I, it's got to be fantastic coming together on the set, though, with your fellow actors. Yeah, like having a moment. Where, where you've worked so hard with someone, like if you've worked on that uh, d- uh, accent, as you said, with the uh, actress who's playing your sister mm-hmm. there, and when when you're when you're in the scene, when you're in the moment, that's got to be a rush. Well, but in the moment, but also in the actual building where yeah. these things happen, because it's 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 a Winnipeg story <laughs> shot is. in Winnipeg. Yeah. So we're at the legislative building, you yeah. know, we're 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 at Portage in Maine, we're at yeah. all these places where it actually happens. So yeah. it's crazy. It's not it's not a set. It's where this happened. <laughs> and you're actually doing this. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Okay, so we're going to emphasize for everyone right now who is uh, listening, uh Stan the Musical is about it is about the 1919 strike mm-hmm. in Winnipeg, Manitoba, that kind of pushed this labor movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of balances a Romeo Juliet esque right. story uh, on the brink of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pushed forward by this love story, but it's really taking place around the general strike and how that affected uh, poor people, minorities. Uh, the upper class, yeah. of course, how it affected them and how it kind of changed the world in a in a in a in a huge way. Absolutely. Now, of course, still showing in theaters in Winnipeg, uh, Stan the Musical. Your role in it specifically, Moisha Alzamoff. I, I see I, I, that would be hard for me to say. Hit, hit that one more time, Moisha yeah. Alzamoff. <laughs> uh, he was People re- are going to remember that name when they when they go and see the movie now. It's, it's, it's not like you're playing Bob Smith. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody, hey, Moisha, I, I think that's the guy I was listening to on the radio. <laughs> There's only one Moisha in the movie, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, he was a real person. He was a, a, a writer. The, thing, the strange thing is there's not a lot of information about him. Um, I bet you look, though. I sure did. The only thing I could find were a few academic articles that uh, had a brief little, I wouldn't even call it a biography, it was just a blurb about him. I had a really hard time finding actual information, but luckily enough, again, Mm -hmm. Danny and Rick are right there. I can ask them any questions I want. Nice. But um, just to go back to research, you can do as much research as you want, but if it doesn't serve the script, then there's no point to it. So... uh, Although it's a real person, yeah. there's you know there's no video footage. I and not... you've got to follow the lead of the writer and director. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, was this the first time on film that you played an actual person? I think so. Wow. 
and in such a sizable role. I should have looked at my resume it's before good, I but... came on here. <laughs> I, I, I think it might be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, James Morris is, it was my first one. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do that. <laughs> awesome. When you see the final production in a theater with uh, with friends and family, it, it's just got to be an absolute rush because, uh, like I say, this is not a walk-on role for you. You're... You're delivering the dramatics in this film, and it's an important film. Yeah. So just seeing it, seeing the reaction on it, must have really been something. It was. I I don't like watching myself, <laughs> like a lot of actors. I think. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't consider myself narcissistic, but to be in this business, you have to be a little bit, I guess. I think so. But um, the first time I saw it was um for some of the investors the winnipeg investors funded a tremendous amount of this film Mm -hmm. so this film really is about winnipeg by winnipeg right um so they filmed it for them that was the first time i saw anything outside of an adr session uh which is just additional uh looping sound looping yeah um and I, I went to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the work I've done, it's hard to watch something and enjoy it as a story because, right. you know, I can be watching a scene and I'm not involved. I'm not invested in the scene. I'm just thinking about, oh, like, oh man, that was a long day. I remember. Yeah, exactly. I, remember I, I ate something and it didn't sit really well. It's like, oh, they used that take. I wish they used the, the other with, take. The I one wish... with the heartburn. Yeah, they did. How could they use that take? <laughs> they used the one where I ripped my shirt off. Why not? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I have a really hard time watching myself on mm-hmm. film. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I will push a film like crazy. Like when this was first coming out before the premiere, I was doing interviews and whatever they asked me to do, I'll absolutely do. But right. I, um, yeah, I have a hard time watching myself. Mm-hmm. And 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 as far as I'm concerned, my work is done my last day on set. Right. That is when I do my work. Hundreds of people are doing the work after my last day on set. Right. But it's, for me, the work is done. So it's kind of, it's an unusual experience to go back and visit it. Kind of, yeah, because there, it's, it's, it is reliving yeah. things on set. And that was a fantastic experience. I had a great time. But, uh, but it, it, in a way, transports you it's right nice to let things go a yeah. little bit too. I hear you. You put so much work into something and then now it's like, ah, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of curious um, if there's something out there that you've worked on that you can't really tell us about yet. Films that have actually kind of come out. There probably is one or two, isn't there? Porn. It's porn. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, this Uh, interview has gone in a direction that I did not figure it would go in. Um, because no. you you will sign stuff from time to time mm-hmm. saying you can't reveal non disclosure agreement. Correct. Yeah. And have you signed a few of these? Uh, yeah, mostly. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I'll even say the studios, but mm-hmm. a lot of them do have that. Um, they don't like you showing anything on social media, right? Uh, even talking t- about it. You can't take your sides that they give you and photograph them no. and put them on Facebook or oh something my like gosh, that. No. You would get fired and blacklisted, and that oh, would be the end of it. And they you. watermark your name on your copy, too, so it, yeah. they would totally know it was me. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, the I mean, the, the only thing that I can't really talk about right now is the most recent movie I worked mm-hmm. on, just because it just finished. Right. But when it comes out, have me back, and I'll tell you all about it. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know I will too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. Awesome, that's, awesome. I want to come back. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, local industry. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that you've worked with locally, because uh, I know you want to give credit to a lot of the actors that you've worked with, yeah. a lot of the directors that you've worked with. Who are some of your favorites there as well? Oh well, I mean, 
I, and I know you're going, you're racing your mind right now not to leave anybody out. I know, and that's the thing. I like. Do you know, I'll just tell you all the people I hate. How about that? It's easier. Um, we I might mean, need an extra hour for the show. No, I mean my my stunt team, of course. We mm-hmm. work really, really close. I was going to say, too, uh, Rick and Sean are also very adept at being actors and stuntmen. Yeah. Because I've seen them both in various different productions all all down the line. So it's kind of interesting that they're very familiar with doing both as well. It really is an asset because if you're going to be doubling something, you mm-hmm. kind of have to act like them. You can't right. just walk like yourself if they have a limp. You know what I mean? So exactly. it is. Yeah, it's definitely an asset. Uh, but, yeah, my stunt team, specific shout-out to BJ Vero yes. and uh, Alan Castanaga, who we worked with tirelessly on uh, this movie, Nobody. Yeah. Uh, BJ Vero, I've had on the show a few times. He's also a very talented filmmaker. He's frustratingly talented. <laughs> it's like, how can you be There's so... jealousy there. How can you be so talented and also, like, one of the best people I know? You can't be both. <laughs> God. It's so frustrating. I, I hate that lovable guy. <laughs> there yeah, you go. Yeah, but no, he is... He is mm-hmm. uh, Absolutely fantastic in everything he does. Um, his movie, if I can give a quick shout out, sure. um, his movie, um, uh, The Return, mm-hmm. uh, his feature is uh, slated to come out shortly. Yeah. So check that out. It's going to be awesome. Cool. And you worked on that as well? Uh, I didn't, no. Uh, okay. But uh, he, everything he's told me about it and the little bits that I've seen from it look amazing. It's going to awesome. be really, really good. Starring uh, Richard Harmon. Yeah. I'm looking forward to checking that mm-hmm. on out. Sounds good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> man, I got to tell you, it's uh, it's been an interesting kind of uh, career to watch you in because, like I say, every once in a while I'll be like, oh, uh, Tristan's at MTC or, oh, <laughs> Tristan's at PT or he's, he's doing this play and he's doing uh, this film and all of this. How do, in your life, do you find that in the Win- Winnipeg community you're constantly chasing work or work is somewhat available as long as you go out and work for it kind of a deal? It is working to get work. Yeah. Pretty consistently. Uh, it, it's you're uh, I won't say you I am always auditioning and mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing too trying to explain this to people who have no idea about the industry right it's like well you gotta be when are you gonna be full time <laughs> you know and it's like it's project when are project. you gonna get promoted and it's 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 because <laughs> you know they'll make you one of those full-time actors oh <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, man. Actually, you know, no, that might be terrible. And you get vacation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at people on Broadway. Some of them do it for a decade. Yeah. You do the same show. I don't know if I could do that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. You know, it'd almost be, um, you'd have to find a creative way of keeping it fresh for yourself. I just worked with um, a great Broadway actor named Sandy Winsby on an MTC show I did uh, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Cats. He did, I think, Oklahoma. I did a few things. Right. And he said, you know, after 500 shows, you're the body is doing the show, right? But the brain is just powered down, and <laughs> and you know it's like. But some of the audience wouldn't even know the right. difference, you know, because you you just you're a professional and that's right. what you do. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I um, it, it is constantly working to get work. It's constant auditioning, and right. I'm not very good at selling myself. I don't have an agent. I think I really need one because <laughs> I am absolutely not active on social media at all. I uh, love doing the work, but I really right. don't like chasing the work, but that is just the industry. So, Absolutely. You know, like, well, and it's a kind of a similar thing for the radio show here, so I totally do get it. Yeah. I'll apply for, uh, you know, I'll send requests out for 10 different interviews. If I get one, I'm ecstatic. Oh, yeah. And that's a sa- that's almost the same ratio with acting. If yeah. you do 10 auditions and you get 
one role. Yeah. You're a working actor. <laughs> you are working well. You know, like, uh, there's exactly. been, it's feast or famine always. There's been yeah. spurts where I'll have 20 auditions and I'll get nothing and then I'll start thinking, like, I knew I was no good. <laughs> and then I'll get something and I'll think, I'm the best. <laughs> you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. Yeah. Uh, you're a member of the union. Mm-hmm. Um, two cur- unions. Yes, two unions. I'm kind of curious, um, can you do local, low-budget film work? Yeah. Okay, how does that work? Uh, it's, uh, well, so I'll, I'll say our union rep in Manitoba is Rob Macklin, and mm-hmm. he is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it is absolutely possible to do low-budget work. A lot of the time, it'll be called a MIP, or a member-initiated project through ACTRA. Okay. Uh, and there's also something, I think it's still called a resume project, where um, a production can apply to... The nicest way I can say not pay as much. Right, exactly. To do a project that people are passionate well, about. Well, and they, and they can't afford it, right? Because if they've got very low For budget sure. or they're shooting on digital video or something, they can't afford to pay your regular rates. But if you're not working at this particular time and it's good experience and you like the role or you know the people, you would do it, right? Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've done I've done MIPS before. I've done some resume projects before. And they're always really fun. They're yeah. always... The most creative is when you have no money, you know, because exactly. it's like... Your how, back's against the wall. How, how are we going to figure out doing this? Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're really fun. And, uh, and, and Rob, you know, uh, approves it within reason. He definitely wants to know. Awesome. He wants to make sure people aren't being taken advantage of, I think, exactly. is the biggest thing. But, yeah, there are definitely ways to do that. And if you are a filmmaker trying to figure out how to get your union actor friend in your movie, just go to the actor website, mm-hmm. check it out, send Rob an email. Sorry, Rob, you're going to get a couple emails probably. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's definitely ways to, yeah. to do it. Awesome. Tristan Carolucci, uh, you stand the musical is in theaters right now, and I'm very, very proud to have you on Ultrasonic Film. I, I really do appreciate that you've uh, joined us here, and we've chatted for about 45 minutes. 45 minutes? I'm telling you, we've been having a lot of fun. James, here. thank you so much for having me, and also thank you for letting me do this whole interview without pants. <laughs> <laughs> no one's the knew, wiser. I knew you were going to say something, something offbeat, and I was kind of waiting for it, and there you go. Well, last time you wore the Hello Kitty t-shirt, <laughs> so this time I'm not... I don't have any pants on. I'm admitting nothing. All right. (laughs) It's been a blast. You've been listening to Ultrasonic Film here on UMFM. Definitely stay tuned. we got more coming up.